You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. How's everything going? Good. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you nervous? Um, I don't know. I've been going back and forth of what am I going to talk about mm. and all of that. And I'm always a little bit shy. If you do not know this, every time you call me on to talk, <laughs> to ask, I mean, to, for me to ask, I'm like literally like choked with my words. But yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay to be a little bit nervous till the time you feel confident about what we're going to talk about today. Do you feel confident? Mm-hmm. Do you feel present to it? Yes, I actually did my Paul McKenna. How amazing. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm ready to go, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So what are we going to discuss today? What's, what's something that I can help you with? For me, I think one thing I'm like really thinking that I'm going through is the fact that I feel like I'm always trying to follow what other people are saying. Not really like struggling, actually competition. I cannot feel like I am enough that I just look at myself and say, let's focus on me and go forward with me. And it's almost like a bipolar thinking because sometimes I'm like euphoric and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so unique. I'm so cool. I'm invincible. And it's all me. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so good. But then when I get put back to the, let's say the negative pole, I start to compare myself immediately with other people. What other people are saying or what their opinions matters. And it gets really nasty, nasty in the way of, how I think, and that can really pull me negatively. And I feel like although I know a lot of the theories of how to pull myself out of that, it's getting better, but that really, it's like a big speed bump all the time for me. And I have to be like, why? How come I cannot just look at myself in the mirror and say that's okay, but I have to look at other people and look at other people's lane in everything like wealth, what they're doing. My path has been so different from all my friends already. So there's no one really to compare with, but still, it's, there will always someone who symbolizes something where I have to compare myself against. Which it's ridiculous. So just some follow-up questions so I can understand where and what is it that triggers that feeling. So first of all, is this a feeling when you're hanging out with friends or is this social media looking at somebody else's profile that triggers you into the spiral or something else completely? It could be both. And usually it's not about someone that I don't know. It's always someone that I know. So even if it's social media, it's someone that I know and maybe they post something and that's something that I thought I want or it's nice to have. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not there. But also when I'm with them, like in a social setting and it could happen also in a social setting where like someone has more attention than me and I feel just like, oh, there's something that I'm missing rather than thinking like, oh, being very present with the talk, but more like, oh, what is it that they don't talk to me? And I try to find fault in myself and that really gets me because I know it's not true. Are there any particular things that trigger you? Like you alluded to if somebody has more attention, if somebody has more wealth, are there things Mm. like these that are specific to it or it's like anything can trigger you? It's very hard to pinpoint. I can give you specific examples. Maybe that will help me as well better. You know, I actually, I quit my job last year. It's been one and a half years since I don't have a stable job. And I always 
think that's amazing because that's really what I want. I don't feel happy back then. And now I'm building my own stuff, not only coaching, but other things. But for example, when I look into some of my friends who have the stability of a stable job and they go on holidays, then I'm like, oh crap, I don't have that. But I'm also still doing the same thing. I'm still traveling around as well. But I feel like just because I don't have that, I feel there's something wrong about me or missing about it. And I had to compare and be like, oh, is it the stability that I don't have? No, I don't miss a job. Is it the money that I don't have? No, I actually do have money. So what is it that I am trying to compare? And I cannot really tell. It's it's just something where I feel like, oh, are they happier maybe? And I'm not. I don't know. It's always the other end where I, then I feel like nothing is good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Are there particular friends that trigger this emotion or any friend? It doesn't matter. It's not triggered by a particular person. There are particular ones. There is there are particular friends. How, how many of these are there? Right now, I would say maybe there are two, three. And I realized in the past few years, these people change us, but it's always the same story being told. I have friends who were in that spot before, and now I'm like totally best friends with them. And I'm like, oh, I don't feel anything. I support them. They support me. But now I feel like I'm in a competition with some of two or three of them. And that really makes me feel horrible. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Is there in some way that these individuals are triggering competition in you? Like in the sense, sometimes, you know, what happens? I'm just discovering right now as to what is happening. Mm. So sometimes what happens is there are certain individuals who come in with the energy of showing how great they are. Like there are certain individuals that would always do and there will be other individuals who will be humble about even if they have more things. They're just humble people versus people who like to demonstrate to hide or to, or for whatever reason, to get their own recognition, to get their own acceptance in society. And that's their story. Is it that such individuals are the ones that trigger this emotion for you and thinking for you? Are they demonstrating some behavior like that? No. I think now if I think of a pattern, it's mainly I feel that they are more loved. And then I think whatever that they're doing is what makes them get the more loved, more attention from other people. Like, yeah, I just, that's like other group of friends or in a social setting. And then I feel like, oh crap, is that what I don't have? That's why I don't feel like I get that amount of love. I think in the end, the denominator is they get more love, I feel. I think they get more love. Mm -hmm. And then I immediately think it's because of what they have, even if it's not Mm -hmm. what I want. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't actually want what they have, you feel because what they have is why they get more loved. Yeah. Um, Jue, and this is going to be a little bit more reflecting and probably a little bit more leaning towards therapy, but has it been a situation in your life where you were seeking love most of the time, like as a child growing up? Probably. Where you felt that you were not loved or you were not appreciated or you were not, you know, seen by a family yeah. or somebody that you cared for. Like it could be your father figure, it could be your father or it could be anything like that. For sure. And that's something that I have been working on. And I always, I'm always upset in a way, mm-hmm. like I do self-love, self-love therapy. And I really, that's what brought me into personal development. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I feel I'm really okay with that. I really feel I'm loving myself. It's Mm -hmm. just this momentum where I feel I'm on a good momentum with my work, with people, with everything going on in my life. And there will be a bit bump where I just been pulled back and then I'm trapped in this again. And I'm like, what can I do then? Mm -hmm. So I want to introduce you to two ideas that let's see if they help, right? Idea number one is 
to understand that every day we wake up with tank half full or full full, right? So our tank, which could be our confidence tank, our self-love tank, our energy tank, we have a glass and that glass is as much full as let's say this one is. Sometimes it's completely full. If you had a great night of sleep, if you worked out the day before, you would wake up with a tank that is completely full. But most of us don't wake up with a full tank. We wake up with like three-fourths of a tank or half of a tank in every category of life. And what happens then is that based on how much your tank is full, whatever you do next will either fill the tank or deplete the tank, right? The more full your tank, the lesser depletion is going to impact you, right? The less your tank, the more depletion is going to happen. So what happens in the morning is as you wake up, if say you open your Instagram or you open something that is a reactive model to the world that doesn't fill the tank, it depletes the tank because it takes energy. It doesn't actually give energy, right? There's no way any social media platform is giving you energy, right? You want to first consider that you'll need to fill your tank, right? So if there is no, it doesn't have to be a routine per se, but they need to be practices that are happening to fill your tank, right? So it could be music, it could be dance, it could be if you're children hugging your children, if you're a partner hugging your partner, whatever that is. And this tankfulness doesn't only come with self-practices. That's an interesting consideration to have because a lot of us think personal growth is very personal. Personal growth is not only personal, it's very relational, right? Because we are impacted, like you are impacted in relationship with someone right now, right? Somebody else is impacting your personal growth. Personal growth is not only personal, it's in relationship with the 3D world, with the people around us. So you got to ask yourself, okay, what is it that will fill my tank today? It might be a really long hug with your partner and that's okay, right? Because that's a relational tank filling exercise. They will fill both of your tanks because touch does fill your tank, right? So it could be an intentional five minutes of just, you know, being with each other. It could be if there's something natural around you to just be able to take a gentle walk for 10 minutes. It could be anything. And that's why I'm saying it doesn't have to be redundant. It doesn't have to feel like a morning routine because a lot of times it doesn't have to be a routine. It can be different things happening different times, depending on how you are as a person. And that's the morning, right? And morning, a lot of people protect very carefully. And you might be doing that as well, that you're like, oh, my software practice, I did this, I did this, and I'm, I'm very good. But here is how energy works, right? In the morning, you actually have the highest amount of energy, right? Because you've slept just right now. You have had no direct impact from society around you. If you didn't do something like watch a crazy Netflix show, you would be sleeping on time, waking up on time. Your tank will be more full, right? But let's say if we were going through the day, we are interacting with the world, we are doing work, we are giving, we are receiving, we're doing all of this stuff. So tank gets empty, right? Because you're using this tank. But basically, the later you are in the day, the lesser is your tank, right? And because the lesser is your tank means your impact in the world is going to be much more and much harder, okay? So if you open your Instagram at five o'clock in the evening after a day, your emotional regulation or ability to regulate is actually lower versus how it was in the morning, right? So your impact to your mind is actually higher because your energy is lower. You don't have the same protective regulating energy that you have in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. So what would happen is you fire up your Instagram, you look at somebody's travel photos, you don't have enough regulation at that time because your energy has depleted over the day 
that you will go, crap, I don't have this life. You don't have your shields up. You don't have your mind with you. You are acting out of what one wonderful author, Terrence Real, he wrote a book called Us, talks about having your adaptive child. Your adaptive child is the little human that is in all of us that responds to anything emotionally. It's like having a four-year-old kid, right? They are emotional, they're loud, they're big, their emotions and everything impacts them much more than when your parental cortex is developed. And now everything does not impact you as much because you can regulate it, you can think about it, you can rationalize it, right? So you're not deeply impacted with the smallest of things, right? So what's happening is in the evening, you're looking at something like this, you're getting impacted more, right? So now what do we do about that? We understand that may be happening and you may observe this behavior that you are also doing. Right. So if you uh, observe this behavior, what would happen is now you want to ask yourself, okay, what is it that I do right before I start to get impacted with these things? Right. It could be that you're going out with drinks with your friends is why it happens. Right. Because you look at somebody and they're telling a story and now you feel impacted or you fire up Instagram after you're done a long day of work thinking, oh, I'm just relaxing. Right. But you are relaxing and meeting them with your friends when your tank's empty your regulation is low. And what happens when your regulation is low, you go into a spiral a lot more easily, which is probably what's happening, right? That you go into these spirals because your tank was already low and now something hits you and that puts you into a spiral and that keeps depleting your tank, which means soon enough, you'll be empty, right? And refueling it will take longer because next day when you wake up, you're not going to wake up with tank full. You're going to only wake up with tank half full. Now, over time, what keeps happening, you run your life on a depleted tank, which means at any given time, anything can impact you. Is this making sense to you? Oh, yes, definitely. And I'm even thinking that, does that mean also this tank is not only like a daily thing, but also over time? Like you just said, over time it depletes. Because for me, when it recently happened, it was actually right after the whole Super Coach and Mind Value You. Because the whole time we were always doing stuff and always doing. And right after that, I thought I was, oh my God, life, I know what's going to happen. And then I come back, bam, feeling like shit. <laughs> yeah. Because you were also depleted while you felt energetic. You were doing a lot of activity, which means that you are depleted, right? You're going to lose energy as you're engaged in activity. What happens in a live event or an event like a super coach experience is that you're gaining a lot of energy in your intellectual stimulated mind, and it will help you long-term. But on the short term, that's why you're exhausted after an event, Mm. right? Because on the short term, you've depleted everything because you also gave a lot while receiving a lot. So over time, or in the next few days of that time, you want to be mindful of where you put your energy, right? The reason why I'm giving you this analogy and metaphor is so in the future, you can go, if I'm going to fire up Instagram, let me do something that fills my tank before I start to empty my tank. There's nothing wrong with being on Instagram or different profiles or different uh, platforms. It's absolutely okay. It does gives us dopamine. It does help us like regulate a little bit. But if you are not at a high energy state, you will get negatively impacted instead of being positively impacted, right? You could also be like, think about it. You could look at the same post and say, wow, that's amazing for them. And I'm creating a life that aligns with what my desires are, right? Looking at somebody's profile doesn't always take energy from you. It can actually give you energy depending on where your tank is sitting at, okay? So let's find tools and everybody has a different system. For example, that's why you would see if you look at my daily, if I was to ever track it on on stories or make a vlog about my day, around three o'clock, I hit the gym. 
And my gym does not involve energy exerting activities and energy giving activities. That's why I only do strength training. I don't do cardio. I don't do anything that requires me to raise my heart rate so up that I'll be tired and need a nap after. Because I know when I go home, I will end up engaging in activities that may take energy from me, right? Now, the good thing is I have kids. So, you know, you can get a lot more energy anytime because a good hug with your child is all you need to feel full again, right? Sometimes, sometimes not, right? but sometimes for sure. So I have young, really small kids. I have a year and a half old daughter. I have a four-year-old son. Like they, they love hugging, cuddling, playing. And so my tank is full. But if I would hit Instagram, let's say later in the evening to like, you know, wind down or whatever, it doesn't make me bothered about somebody else's life. It makes me inspired about somebody else's life because my tank is full, right? I know I'm living the life that I wanted, right? And I have fulfilled and I've filled my tank right before I reached home, right? Or right before, or maybe two hours before I go home, right? So that's why my workouts are at odd times, which people would go at three in the afternoon. Who goes for a workout? You're not doing morning, you're not doing evening. That's because it's a filling exercise for me. My walks are at three, four in the afternoon is because it's a fueling exercise for me, fueling activity for me. And so my tank gets full again, and now I can go out in the world and I can take on anything, right? I would have walks with friends at four or five in the evening, right? Because that's a fueling activity for me. Again, it's, it's, it depends. When you go for drinks versus you go for a walk, conversation changes, mm. right? You go for a drink, the conversation's very, you know, shallow. You go for a walk, the conversation's deep. Right. So those are things that you could do as well. You're like, hey, what do I want from this activity? Am I just doing this because that's how the world works? Because that's kind of how most of us do things. Or do I want to do this because it's intentional about something? Right. If you want to build a deep, meaningful relationship with the person that's currently triggering you, take them for a walk. Don't go out for drinks because then the conversation is going to be so holistic that you can't be triggered by them. Right. Because while they will talk about, yeah, they had a great holiday, they'll also talk about how currently they may be struggling in their relationship. So you understand them as humans, like you are, instead of thinking of them as, oh, this is a person who has a perfect life. Nobody's got a perfect life. You know that intellectually. But you, when you talk to someone, you know with that conversation, oh, they're just like me. I am doing this. They are doing that. They have that challenge. I have this challenge. That's fine. Both of us are human. We are doing life as best as we understand to do it, not right or wrong, right? So building an understanding with someone of who they are also regulates or helps you regulate that particular trigger. So the first idea that I want to share with you is to understand that your tank is always being full and depleted. Try to not do things that will trigger your thought patterns, your thinking patterns when your tank is empty or your tank is low. Right. That might mean things like Instagram, drinks with friends, or whatever else it might be. Right. Just don't do it when your tank's a little bit empty. Fill your tank first. Find the activities that fill your tank first. And then if you want to, then they'll do that. If there's a purpose to that. Absolutely. Right. Is this tool helpful to you? Do you feel like this could be a good first step? Uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I really like the idea because I never see it as an energy. I always think there's something wrong with me because I thought, like you mentioned, maybe like it's a touchy therapy topic like self-love, right? But I'm like, I don't think that's really the problem because I don't always stay in that. It comes and go. And the last time, as you were mentioning, it was during like a dinner drink event. You know, I just sat there and everyone's just talking about their holidays and I'm just like, oh... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So when you want to build a meaningful relationship with someone, which is probably what you want to do with friends, is don't go for drinks. Drinks is actually the worst way to build a relationship with someone, especially if it's a large setting. Because what happens when we go to a large setting? It's like posting on Instagram. You only play the highlight reels. 
You're not talking about struggles because it's not safe, right? It's not safe. They don't know. They Like, you know, you have an hour, two hour fun time with someone and you're like, there's six other friends on the table. They don't know who's safe to talk to. They don't know who what is safe to talk about. But the same person changes the conversation if you sit with them one-on-one. And, and I'm sure you've observed that, right? The same person, same personality, different conversation, just because it was a one-on-one setting versus a group setting. Right. And it's not because they are a different person in person, different person in a different setting. It's about safety is how safe they feel. When we are in one on one setting with someone, we tend to feel safer. We tend to feel, oh, this person, I can look in their eyes. I can feel the energy. I feel like they care. I can be safe here and I can share with my heart. When you're at six people, loud music blaring on the background, and you're talking about the food and the drinks and everything. It's not safe. Right. So yeah. that's that's another thing to consider is when we are in big social settings, all of us operate from a place of not feeling safe. And hence, we only play highlight reels. All of us do this, consciously or unconsciously. You do it, I do it, everybody does it. It's a whole process to not be affected by that sense of safety or not be wanting that sense of safety. Now, you can get there. I'm not saying you can't get there. But it is a process. Not everybody has done that work and not everybody wants to do that work because they don't want to necessarily take away those boundaries away from them when they're in a big social setting, right? So they want to be safe and it's actually okay for them to be wanting to be safe, okay? So that's the first idea and I'm glad that's helpful. Second idea is to do a little bit more work towards where these triggers come from, right? And the reason I say that, and this is more theoretic and you can see how you want to work with it. I'm not saying, I'm not a therapist like you know, I'm not going to advise you as a therapist, but this is a technique that is useful. And the technique is to simply reflect on where is it and what are those moments where I was triggered first or many times as a child, which created the sense of that there is a time or place or situation where I won't be loved, right? Because like you said, it doesn't happen all the time. It happens sometimes with some people in certain situations, right? And that triggers you to feel like I'm not loved, that I'm not appreciated, that I'm not recognized, I'm not seen, I'm not heard. All of these things are getting triggered because of certain things. And sometimes we are present to it and sometimes we have to explore it, right? To give a relatable example to me is I know I feel not loved in situations where I have lack of space. I feel I'm not loved, I'm not appreciated. It comes from the story that I tell many times. So it changed my life for me to become, or at least a part of me to build my character. But it also is one of those things that I know every single time it would happen, I would get triggered and I would feel not loved, right? It's when I was uh, I was about 13 years old, we were sharing a bed. My uncle was sharing the bed with us and I didn't have enough space to sleep. My mom suggested that I go to sleep and I was revolting and fighting about it. So she smacked me and I cried myself to sleep. I woke up with a wet pillow and it forever made the story instilled in my mind and ingrained in my mind so hard that I just don't feel appreciated or loved if I have lack of space. Like space is very important to me, right? Bed space in my house, space and things that I'm doing. It's very, very important to me. Any single time anybody tries to take that away from me, I feel immediately that I'm not loved, right? 
It could happen if somebody does not acknowledge me if I'm at an event. It triggers sometimes the feeling of not being seen, not being heard. And that comes from more of an adult experience. I was still 17, 18 years old, but still more adult where I wasn't recognized. And because of that, our teacher told me how bad I was as a presenter. So now I want the attention. I want to be a good presenter. I want to be acknowledged. I want to be on stage. I want to make a great presentation and be applauded for it, right? So everything triggers me around that and I have to regulate myself to not be triggered. I have to make sure my tank's full. But the understanding of what created these triggers for me allows me to navigate those triggers. There's a friend of mine that I was talking to for a podcast episode. And while I was talking to her, her name is Dr. Gabriel Lyons. And what she talked about was the most successful people that she has found in her work of helping people overcome different medical situations and health situations and become really healthy in working with Navy SEALs, working with celebrities, artists, whatever, different types of people. She said, it's not that they know their strengths. It's they know their weaknesses and they know how to circumvent those weaknesses, how to go around those weaknesses. Is They're very aware of when they will fall. They know this is going to trigger it. This is what's going to happen next. And what they do is they make a plan around it. So either it doesn't get triggered or if it does get triggered, they have a way around it, right? So that seems very obvious. And at the same point in time, a lot of us, we don't do it, right? We just think about this is my strength. I'm going to play my strength, which is the right thing to do. But when we fall is when when our strengths don't help, right? When you are in that loop or negative spiral of going, oh, crap, this is not, you know, I feel like I'm not good enough or whatever that is that's when you really have the bad two, three days in a row, right? It's not when you're playing your strengths. It's when you are being sabotaged by a weakness. So what you want to see is when and how does this weakness get triggered? And then you want to find a path to go around that weakness, to go, okay, I know I'm in it. I'm being aware. It hit me right now. What is my model of coming out? And then you find that model and you practice that model. And over time, that model becomes a habit. I learned that about me that I have such a good regulation of emotion at this point that nothing really takes over more than like 10, 15 minutes. Anger, fear, frustration, none of it. And that is because I practice it so long and so much that I can't be triggered, right? And there's some things that still trigger me and can throw me for a loop. And there's very specific situations that I have not worked on enough because I'm a new father. My partner and I have a very busy and still very loving life. So there are areas where I still need to learn. But in a regular day-to-day circumstances, fear doesn't bother me. Anger doesn't bother me. Frustration doesn't bother me. Good enoughness doesn't bother me. It all is so much more regulated because over time, as you practice around your weakness, it doesn't stay that big of weakness. You just have a navigation system around it. Does that make any sense to it? Yes, definitely. And I totally get it because for me, it's really something. And back with the emotions part, it's really the regulating. And sometimes, you know, I, I will also get stuck in the emotion. And I felt that I will win myself into the bad emotions by saying, it feels better to just stay here. <laughs> Stay in the bad emotion. And it takes and, process to get there. And that's because it's a safe space. Mm. If you really think about it, right? When you are having a terrible emotion, when you're frustrated, when you're angry, guess what you're doing? You're doing the safest things. Angry, maybe not, but frustrated, not feeling good enough, sad. You're doing the best things, like the safest things that a person can do. Why do we have the classic example of breakup leads to ice cream binge? Yeah. Who doesn't want to eat ice cream all the time? Now you have a reason to eat ice cream. Great. Why wouldn't you want to stay there? Right? So 
in our minds, in our souls, not in our souls, but more so in our minds, we want to be in the safe space all the time. Growth is not safe. Pain is very safe, which is why sometimes we struggle to get out of pain because we go, oh, this is just nice to be here in a way, even if it is not nice, right? Somebody's taking care of you. You're being coddled. You're coddling yourself. You're more mindful of yourself. You're kind to yourself. This is why we have a almost an epidemic of people who are always healing. Like we know, I'm sure there's a friend of yours, you know, and there's a friend of mine that I know that I've been healing for six years. I'm like, yeah, it's like, I get it. But there's a point where healing needs to like, you need to heal as well, not just be in the process of healing. But it's so nice, you know, to do 10,000 ceremonies and constantly talk to your coach about how painful your experience is right now and not be able to get out of it. It is very comforting. And it's not progressive. You don't get growth by staying in the healing. You, yes, want to heal. Absolutely. You want to give yourself space. But you want to also know that there needs to be a point where you are healed. If there's no end point of where you are healed, then the healing journey is useless a little bit. <laughs> right? Because it's like going to a doctor to go to the doctor. Like, no, you want whatever treatment has to happen, happens and you move on in your life. You don't want to keep going to the doctor. But that's why, because healing is so comforting, is like we stay in that. It's comforting to have those kind of things and and they are safe. And so it's understandable that you want to be there. Absolutely. But then you also want to talk to your mind and tell your mind that I know this is safe is why you're making me stay here. And I'm okay with that for a minute. But then we need to go out in the world because I know that what I want is more important or equally important as the safety that I experience right now with you, right? And these are the models that you have of conversations with yourself, right? And it's very important to learn how to talk to ourselves, right? So, Jue, based on everything that we've talked about, what are the tools, what are some of the ideas that are being present to you right now? I feel like it's a little bit like short-term and long-term. Like the short-term is definitely... I will start with trying to understand what gives energy back to me. I think that's something... I don't really do it very well because I think I do it a little bit by the book. In the morning, I do this, do this because a lot of people are doing that. But I need to find which one really is the one that helps me because I like to cuddle with my partner. But I thought that's like a little bit waste of time in the morning, you know, if I want to do everything self, me, me, me. But maybe that's something I should give it to myself and allow myself to have it. And then in the longer time, I really like the idea of what you just said about the healing part. And I feel that, yeah... Allow myself to heal, but there's time to graduate from it. And I think practice is the one that I'm going to do. Like I take it as a challenge. Every time I get triggered, I'm going to take it as a challenge and really to find out where it comes from and then come out with a plan for the next time and then take a challenge the next time. Okay, now it takes me two days. Next time, one day, let's see if I could do it. I like that I'm not going to try to focus on the next time five minutes because I think it's not going to ever happen. And I would go back and be like, oh, it did not happen in five minutes. <laughs> so we want to be kind and generous to ourselves and we want to give ourselves grace. And it's so, so good that you touched on the point of the, for lack of a better word, uh, the stupidity of morning routines that are popular. It's very helpful to have a morning routine but to follow somebody else's money routine because it works for them. And it's I use the word loosely is because that's how most people's morning routines are designed. It's not designed around saying what works for me. It's designed around what do people say works for them. 
right? Oh, the 5 a.m. club. You must wake up at 5 a.m. because da, 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 da. it doesn't work for you. Don't wake up at 5 a.m. There's no point waking up at 5 a.m. It doesn't do anything for you. It takes away energy from you. You don't want to do it. You want to do things that give you energy. Like you said, it's no waste of time if you're regulating with your partner that shows how much you love each other. And if there is no, like who wants to be in a non-loving relationship? Why do we care if you take extra 20 minutes to just, you know, hug each other and talk to each other, look at each other's eyes and say, I love you. Like that's a powerful way to start your morning. It may not be jumping jacks for 20 minutes, but it's a different way of getting energy. You don't always have to jump into ice bath right as the first thing in the morning just because Tony Robbins says that he does it. That's him. Let him do it. Does it work for you? If it doesn't, then don't do it. It doesn't matter what he thinks is right. It's right for him. Biologically, psychologically, spiritually, we are all so different is why I am such a big advocate of coaching. Is because it is so good that we have scientific research on a lot of things. And it is so terrible that it is the most generalized thing that a person can have, right? Scientific research is not made for cases that are independent and individualistic. It is made for the masses, right? It is generally this works. Generally, this is how we have seen things happen. Generally, this should work for you. But does it, does it not has so many other variables. Your childhood is a big variable. Your energy flow is a different variable. Your spirituality is a completely un regulated variable that you can have no understanding of. Like there's very little understanding that is around spirituality of human beings. There's no codification of that. There's no way to codify that because it's so meta and so independent based on lived experience. So it's impossible to codify somebody's morning routine. There may be practices that you can try, but it will still be individualized. It will still be different. It will change based on your sexual orientation. It'll change based on your sexuality. It'll change based on your spirituality. You know, something's going to give you energy. Something's going to take away energy from you. It may be that your morning routine actually empties your tank instead of filling up your tank right now. And this is not just for you, Shway. It could be for anybody that's listening to this podcast. Is look at your morning routine and go, is this actually giving me energy or is this actually taking energy from me? Because if it takes away energy from you, you maybe don't want that, right? Because what's the point of a morning routine that feels like work, right? And a lot of people have morning routines that feel like work. At least that's what I've heard from different client conversations. Like, yeah, I meditate for two hours in the morning. I'm like, wow, do you feel empowered after that? Or you just feel like going back to sleep? If you feel like going back to sleep, you probably don't want to meditate for two hours, right? Nothing wrong with if it gives you energy and it helps you win your day. Go for it. Knock yourself out. Nothing against it. But be mindful what you're really doing. Okay, cool. So, Jue, anything else that you want to cover today? Or do you feel like this is a great conversation for you to take, make your next move? This is great, Ajit. I mean, as always, I love it so much. Thank you so much for your time, really. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Jue. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Take care.